I'm Wyatt Amsberg, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. Morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast, presented by Cub Storeworth Food. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined, as ever, by Cal Williams. Cal, have you been spending time on the couch watching TV recently at all? Um, it's a thing I do on the regular. Yeah, sure. This so. time of year is kind of, I feel like this 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 lull between Thanksgiving and Christmas is sort of peak. I'm not going outside. To do anything, you know, and as soon as I come back in, I just want to curl up on the couch and watch television. Correct. Um, I, uh, I sort of, yes, um, not as much as I would like to. Um, I, uh, for example, I, I, I don't know. I'm sort of still looking for something to watch. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm sort of at the at the peak of desperation, really, sort of in in need of something. So I ended up watching something last night called V Walls, which is just on on Netflix. Okay. About a vampire war. Um, right. I like it. I, I'm into it. I'm about <laughs> two and a half episodes in. Okay. It's garbage. Right. But I've made a commitment now. Yeah. So, you know. Are they like half hour episodes or like hour? No, they're like, yeah, an hour. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a commitment. And yeah. Like I said, I found myself sort of, you know, the first episode, you're really into it. You're really looking for... Um, storylines and, and you're trying sure. to understand what's going on. The complex character relationships of vampires. Correct. And the blood-sucking uh, regularities that they have. Right. Um, but then I found myself slowly sort of latter stages of episode two, episode three, just sort of grabbing my laptop, scrolling through my phone, kind of like... Right. You know, I've sort of lost a bit of interest You've gotten the broad and... strokes of the vampire war. What? Yeah. Um, tell me... Is the war is the war between vampires, or is it between vampires and werewolves, or it's vampires and human beings? Okay, so it's between vampires. Now, what is the what's the agon here? Like, what is the the crux of the conflict? Is it just that the vampires want to suck the humans' blood? Is that? Um, I would suggest so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm, I'm There's not like really... some grander political difference about no, not economic my... models or socialism or no, not to my knowledge. Straight so, up, one team wants to kill the other. I think so. Well, okay. I am, as I say, still very early into it. But what I understand is that there was a prehistoric virus that was discovered in mm -hmm. some Arctic tundra, not Minnesota, thankfully. Um, sure, but uh, somewhere, yes. and um, it was in a um, in a. Uh, an iceberg of some sort. It's been buried away for a long time. And okay. It's resurfaced and okay. it's now spreading. It's and, causing vampires. And and it's almost like it, it's it's trying to be sort of like a, a zombie thriller type of thing. Sure. But instead of zombies, it's vampires. So I, I quite enjoy a thriller, these kind of things, you know. But yeah, um, yeah it's not great. It's it's okay, but but I, I am going to give it a little longer. You know, I might, I might give it a few more episodes. And, yeah. And then we'll see. Yeah. I, what, what I find myself really wanting right now is um, uh, documentaries. Like, I feel like this is, I saw a, a preview for, I think it's coming to HBO, a one on McMillions. It's called McMillions. And it's about like the scam behind the McDonald's Monopoly game. Because I remember reading some stuff about this. There was a, an article about it. So um, I, I don't know all the specifics, but sometimes a documentary just really, you know, there, there was on Twitter the other day, there was a thread of somebody who had said, I got to go back and look at some of this stuff because I didn't have that much time at the moment. But, um, uh, weird conspiracy theories or unsolved, unsolved murders, things like that. Oh yes. Yes. And 
it's the kind of stuff it's like people were just posting Wikipedia links to things. And it's <laughs> like, I love, like there was one about, um, a guy who was discovered dead on a, like on the shore, like he was just propped up against a wall and, you know, fully dressed. But then there was like, as they investigated, it was like, was he poisoned? Mm. They later found like a, a scrap of paper in his pocket with a part of a Persian phrase on it. And it's the kind of thing that at first I'm like, oh, a guy's dead. And then I'm reading the Wikipedia page. I'm like, okay, this isn't like, I just want a documentary about every one of these things. DB Cooper, the guy who stole all this money and jumped out of an airplane and was never found things like that. That's what I want to watch. Um, so I need to spend some time going into my Netflix queue. Cause I know there's stuff in there, you know, that you can find, um, that are great documentaries. I've been watching the Mandalorian, which is on Disney plus. Have you mm -hmm. gone into the Disney plus yet? No, I haven't yet. No, if you don't have kids. Uh, yes. I, as a value proposition, it's a little iffy. Mm -hmm. Um, having kids, the knowledge that you just have all the Disney stuff at hand is terrific. Um, the Mandalorian by itself, I'm really enjoying. Uh, I don't know if it's worth, you know, worth getting in right now. It's, there's a couple episodes left in the season, then you can make your decision later. But um, it's very entertaining. It's not very complicated, which is one of the appealing things I think about it. And at a time when, it, you know, we've talked, there, there's been there's been talk about this era being peak TV or that we've bypassed the point of peak TV. But that peak TV was like Breaking Bad and The Wire and like these these shows that were so ambitious and, and tried to tell bigger stories and did, you know, widescreen stuff on a small screen. Um, it can get kind of exhausting. Uh, there's a point at which I think TV shows learn how to look like prestige television. And then they all feel like that. And it feels like everyone requires like a, a, a fact and like a Wikipedia entry to explain all the connections. The Mandalorian is like versus a lot of star Wars stuff, which can be thick with lore and connections and families and who's related to whom. And is the emperor dead is the emperor, like all this sort of crazy stuff that happens in star Wars. The Mandalorian is like very quiet mm -hmm. and kind of simple and straightforward. Each episode is kind of an adventure. It's its own little episode. It's sort of throws the thing that I've been comparing it to is when I was a kid, I used to watch Buck Rogers. Um, not like the old, I'm not that old, not the fifties, not the fifties Buck Rogers, but sort of like this, I think it was maybe the seventies Buck Rogers where it's like, there's certain, you know, each episode is like, they're on a different planet. A different thing happens. That's kind of how the Mandalorian feels like it has an overarching sort of plot, obviously to do with baby Yoda, who's everybody's favorite thing, rightly so. Um, but each episode has its own sort of plot. And that's sort of, I've been watching that regularly. I've been watching his dark materials, which is gotten better and better. It's on HBO. It's in its fifth episode, fourth or fifth episode right now of eight, I think. Uh, and I think that's gotten better and better. And then, um, uh, the wife is very, ah, you got the wrong one. <laughs> My wife. And I have been watching, uh, I still got to get that tape. Tyson, our producer is here and he's going to get tape for me. So, um, uh, we've been watching 30 rock, uh, which is Tina, the Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, NBC show, uh, that uh, my wife was very, my wife was very into, and I watched a fair amount of, but not super closely. And it's, it's one of these shows that now it's 20 minutes without commercials and it's very easy to watch and very funny. So I feel it's, it's good to have that counterbalance in your life. Right. So. so everything I've just got from that is that you enjoy comedy. You enjoy fantasy, yeah. but you also have a lust for wild, unproven speculation. Welcome to the MLS transfer window. <laughs> that is a good segue. That's a professional segue. I love it. The other thing I want to talk about, holiday gift season, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty, 
Uh, this is one thing I wanted to talk about because um, there's a couple special things to, to mention here. First of all, the team store, the black and blue store at Allianz Field is still is open. It's going like gangbusters right now. It's a couple of really interesting and fun and good things coming up there. You remember those um, pre-match tops? There was a number of them uh, that came out during the year. The Americana one, it's sort of red, white, and blue. There was the kick childhood cancer one and then the camo one. They're sort of like they wear them. Yes, the, yes. the players wear them when they come out onto the field. So those sold out really fast when they came out a limited amount of them are being released this friday um so what is what is it today december 10th or it's tuesday so the 13th uh is it friday the 13th this week is that possible it's certainly <laughs> possible it is friday the 13th friday the 13th um that stuff is being released in limited quantities so you should get out there and check that out also the same at the same time the light pole banners the the sort of banners you saw around the twin cities if you have if you have that 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 minnesota united fan who's you can't get them anything new. They have everything. That's the thing to get them a light pole banner because nobody, nobody has that yet. And then, uh, 40% off the loon gray Jersey, uh, and then 40% off the Allianz field jacket. I want to say the Allianz field jacket is my favorite piece of MNUFC gear. Yes. It's awesome. Period. Um, it looks good. It's uh, subtle. It's, you know, it's like you can wear it. Uh, it doesn't stick out a ton. Um, it's, Maybe not to a formal gathering, <laughs> maybe not with a tie, but uh, but it looks great. It has a huge range of usable temperatures, which is big for me. I like that ability, in especially in Minnesota. Like it's warm when it's cold, uh, but it also breathes enough that I feel like it doesn't ever feel like you're overwhelmed by it. It's it's light, but it's it's warm. It's terrific. So it's very moist and it's very moist and very sweet. It's it's extremely sweet. And uh, my other favorite is the fitted hats. I like fitted baseball hats. You're not really a baseball hat guy. No, I don't really um, have a, a head for a hat. No, but I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing right now a new era hat. Uh, you are. Which a new era? My favorite fitteds. The 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 the, the, the uh, what is this cut? The fifty nine fifty is my favorite uh, of those. I think that there are some of those available in the store. I had to order this one specifically because it's black and nothing else but there's some blue ones that are really great um mlsstore.com also has a bunch of different sales sort of it check there there's 25 percent off and i just went there now and it said there's 25 percent off for the next couple hours that kind of stuff is happening um and then the 40 percent off scarves at the team store ah. which again scarves are a great gift i think uh you know it's great for anybody give them a scarf um and then the last thing I wanted to mention about this, December 16th to 24th is double season ticket member discounts at the black and blue store. So if you have a season ticket member discount, uh, 10%, it's going to be 20% those days. So that's December 16th through 24th at the black and blue store. Um, I am uh, focused on holiday buying because this is the thing that I have to do right now is figure out what to get for everybody. So I'm just looking for, for gift guides myself. So um, are you a good gift giver? Uh, Cal, do you like feel like you do a good job with that? Or? I'm terrible. You're I, terrible. I really, okay. I really try. I, what I do, Steve, is I overthink it. I really, and you know, um, I've for years and years and years tried to get the perfect gift. And this is the one part I dislike about Christmas is there is a bit of pressure, isn't there, to to get something right for that yeah. morning, you know, especially if it's for the for the wife or yes. anything. You know, it's my wife. It, it's, that button's getting a lot of work out in the holiday season here. <laughs> um, it's um, it, it's got to be perfect, and and um, my uh, family in Kansas City are are very very big on Christmas, so I, I do feel an element of of, of pressure to, to get it right. And uh, there have been times I've got it completely wrong, and it's been uh, intriguing. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I will give it my all. Um, yeah. But uh, I have to accept that I'm going to mess things up from time to time. So yeah. You know. Um, 
I, right now, I still have so many gifts to get. Yeah. I still have so many. And I just don't even know when we're going to have time. It's it's wild right I mean, now. My, my Amazon cart, I have five things in my Amazon cart right now <laughs> that I'm probably going to buy after this podcast, mm-hmm. um, basically. So, yes, there's a lot of things. And kids involve another whole element because not only do you have to get them things, uh, there's first of all, there's fun things to get for kids. Um, and... You know, there are obviously you can get things that your kids don't aren't interested in at all. But uh, when they when you get something that they love, it's f- super rewarding. Yes. Um, the only other problem, though, is that that stuff has to live in your house. Um, and so when you have a lot of crap in your house, which any parent does, uh, you're just adding to the crap. But it's also almost irresistible when you see things that you're like this. This would be perfect. So um, I'm I right now. The thing I was looking at uh, is like a library set to get for my daughter, which has, uh, cause she's obsessed with books. Um, and it's a, you know, it's like one of these things where you have, um, checkout cards and you can put like a little envelope in the back of your book and it's got a stamp that can, you can stamp out dates sort of like an old school library thing. And she loves books and she has a ton of books. I don't necessarily think she loans them out to a lot of people, but I think mm. the organizational element of it and the sort of putting the, 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 the card in the back is she's really going to love that. So, um, I think she'll, I think she'll dig that. I'll get back to you with whether that actually works. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to soccer, uh, things that have happened recently around the league. So let me get this straight. DC United, Bill Hamid left to go to Michelin. FC Michelin, yeah. And um, from DC was signed there. And then Michelin loaned him back to DC United. After about six months, And then now DC United has signed him again to a new contract. Correct. Okay. Correct. I think um, (laughs) in the wonderful world, weird world of soccer. um, So to my knowledge... Um, Michelin and a couple of other suitors, you know, liked him. He was he was out of contract, I believe, so he was eligible to go out of the league as a free agent, um, and uh, ended up with with Michelin. And um, I think during his spell, they had a change of manager, okay, who didn't then fancy Bill Hamid, basically. So, um, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's back on on loan um, at DC, and and I fully expected this to to get done permanently. I don't think sure. anybody ever thought it wouldn't. So, yeah. um, good to have goalkeepers like that. He's twenty nine. Um, good to have him uh, plays like that in the league. Um, I, I still think he's always going to be in and around the US roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a debate out there whether he's good enough or not. That's for another day. Um, but I, I think he's one of these goalkeepers that's always going to be in and around it. It could be the, the U.S. number three um, going forward for a long time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's never a bad thing having those types of goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. So is this basically like when you loan your neighbor your lawnmower and then you're like, can I get that lawnmower back? And they're like, yeah, it's going to cost you $300. Basically. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you're like, I can't, I, 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 all right, fine. It's a colossal mistake <laughs> by D.C. United. I mean... It doesn't seem like the best way to get value out of things. Because they lost him for free. Right. And then had to pay to get him back. Yeah. That sounds more like a relationship than, <laughs> <laughs> than your next door neighbor. Uh, Kyrie Shelton, back yeah. to Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, I like this one a lot. And, and look, while Shelton didn't score a lot of goals for Kansas City, what he did really, really well was, was he, um, he allowed the two wide-ish players to, to come into the game a lot, a lot more than than a lot of other target forwards did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought um, the likes of uh, Daniel Shallowy 
in 2018 really thrived playing yeah. off of Kyrie Shelton. He looked great in 2018. Yeah, and, and look, for me, it's no coincidence that he he, bought, he scored one goal all year last year. So yeah. uh, I, I think Kyrie Shelton's a good acquisition for Sporting Kansas City. I'm not convinced he's going to be um, the starting centre forward. I think they're, they're in the market for somebody else. Um, but Shelton is a, a good pickup and... Um, you know, he had, a, he had a decent spell over in Germany as well. Yeah. I mean, it's no secret that, that SKC needs more going forward. Correct. So everything Correct. they can get, you know, like if, if even if he's not your starter and you get somebody else who's your real number nine, like to have another guy there who can do that job as well. Absolutely. That's always important. So, um, yeah, so that's definitely good for them. Uh, other stuff, Inter-Miami, reports of them going after Roger Martinez from Club America. Oh, really? Yes. Ah, I got you. I got a scoop that even Cal is. What do you What do you know about Roger Martinez? I don't, I, I mean, I, his numbers don't jump off the page to me. But he's twenty five. He's uh, young. He's star. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's um, was that on MLSsoccer.com? Was that report? Was it or something? Yeah. Right wow. there. On M- I was sort of doing the. I was saying to somebody else. I was sort of this this period of MLS is. I'm I'm sort of into the Jay Leno. Let's see what's in the news <laughs> mode of hosting podcasts because it's, it's a little you know it's it's drips and drabs right now. So. Um. Look, I mean, I, I would assume he would almost certainly come in as a DP. Um, yeah, I, I, I high energy, um, very creative. Um, somebody who would be a phenomenal acquisition for sure. I, I, they're going to have to pay for him. Club America mm-hmm. won't let him go no. cheaply. Um, that's uh, yeah, that could be a, a very, very, very astute signing. But the, the thing is, for me with Miami, is it, it's like right, you, you're linked to all these stars. I think they've got 17 players on the roster now. You should probably get a head coach sorted fairly soon. Yeah, that is one thing that is, I mean, I think back to, you know, I think that if you look at the way that, that, that Adrian Heath has talked about the sort of genesis of this club as an MLS club and, and talked about how quickly they had to turn everything around, you know, as far as, you know, being announced, but then still playing in NASL and then sort of like at the point at which they started trying to build the roster, you know, they bring Adrian in and then they have to build it really fast. And he's always said it was just too fast, right? Yeah. You're now really behind the eight ball having built a roster, but not having a head coach to sort of like put it together. And we've seen, we've seen the problems that can arise when there's not an alignment there um, between you know, regardless of how good players are, it seems like, I guess this is true across a lot of different sports. Coaches want to play certain ways and they're not always going to leverage players, even if they're good players. I mean, stars are going to be stars. Some players are not good and they're not going to be good. Right. But there's a huge chunk in the middle that in the right role, in the right situation can be better than they've been or can show what they, what they don't have, what they haven't shown yet. I think when you're bringing in a coach post facto, like with the roster built, it's it, you, you just run the risk of leaving guys on islands because the coach has to, especially if a coach comes in late, he's not going to, he's not going to have time to reassess like what he's got and build a new sort of like tweak his model of coaching. He's going to have to hit the ground running with like, this is what I do. You know? Yeah. And, and so what I'll say about this roster build for Miami, and this is purely wild speculation here, but um, what it says to me now, now, Paul McDonough, that the GM was always going to have control of of the players that were coming in, no doubts. What it says to me, and I, and I know they tried and failed with with an individual. Um, so for me, th- this says that they're probably scrambling a bit now, and they're trying to get a manager in um, because they haven't gotten the, the individual they thought they were going to get. Mm. McDonough has built this roster almost single handedly. What this says to me is now is are they going to bring in a manager who is okay with that, um, which in a lot of aspects is, is modern day football, but 
I don't think that would be the case if it was a big name. You know, and and we could list sure. a slew of big names uh, that have been linked to the job, but I don't think that would be something that big name would would fancy. I think it's going to be somebody who is of um, who is not of uh, as um, well profiled as, as some of the names that have been mentioned. Um, so I wonder if Inter Miami have have really thought to themselves, right? Um, we're going to get somebody in here who who is okay with the way we're doing things and won't have much much pushback. You know, if it's a big name. Manager's going to want to say, "No, I want to build my team. This is yeah. my roster. I'm going to get judged on this roster. So this is my team." Right. Um, so I don't know. That that's an interesting one. Um, although having said that, the counter argument to that is that you know the big name will come in regardless because they'll pay him whatever. And uh, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I think it's a question of sustainability though at that point because it's it, you know that you know that Inter Miami is going to want to make they want to make splashes. They want to be a, a, a team that comes in. They're not going to come in under the radar to sort of you know just sort of move into the table and sit there happily for a while. It's like, they're going to yeah. want to, they're going to want to like make big moves and, and, and look and grab attention. And so yeah. in some ways it's like, you want to get that big name, but then also that big name could be a problem if they don't like the roster. So correct. Yeah. And also if they don't like the coach as well, you know, this is the yeah. thing that you, in my opinion, if you are with, with what everyone in this league is hearing about what Miami are going to do and not just next year, but over the course of their existence, they they are going to have to continuously have a big name in charge, um, yeah. who is going to have the respect of of the players that that Miami continues to be linked with. Yeah. Um, as far as transfer stuff goes, any other things you're hearing that are interesting to you? Stuff that's that, that's come up on your radar? Plenty, but I probably shouldn't say. Anything you can <laughs> say. Um, <laughs> I know there hasn't been there hasn't been a ton of. Um, Minnesota United linked stuff right now that's been out there. Um, you no. know, that we can sort of d- discuss. Um, I think the the needs remain the same. Um, you know, I think that the again, I think we're sort of in the same position of things have been shored up. Uh, the the sort of the core is there, and then there's still those needs for things like a, you know a true center forward and things like that. Um, but I don't know. Well, the only thing I had heard, which which um, I, yeah, again, it's. Um, it, not at the top of of um, speculation, um, glory, if you will. People won't find a tremendous amount of interest in it. But I, I just know Chicago Fire are, are looking internationally for a manager, um, mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to get a big name. You know, they're they're going big with the rebrand and everything. You know, yeah. and uh, going to Soldier Field and everything. You know, I think they. Um, I don't know if it's public knowledge, but I think they were interviewing um, a GM over in Switzerland. I think they were looking at. Um, I can't remember which club it was. Um, I, I don't know if it's out there yet, but I mean, um, you know, Chicago Fire. I think are um, they, they know that they have to have the the first year at Soldier Field um, a success. They they have to have a good first year there mm-hmm. um, because having this whole rebrand is is all good. Uh, and and you know, I think the season ticket sales are going very well because obviously yeah. they're now much more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Now they know that they they have to hit the ground running. They have to get it um, get it right. And they have to make the playoffs in, the, in this first year of this new brand. Otherwise, then it's going to be difficult to bring people back. So, yeah. I, you know, as I say, I, I've heard a couple of names uh, internationally. And I know, as I say, they were looking at a, at a new GM um, in uh, another country as well. So we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Chicago is going to be interesting this year. I mean, obviously, with, with Soldier Field and a lot of attention being placed on that and, and, and the sense that Chicago is ripe to be. I, I mean, I think you look at a lot of those first wave MLS teams. They're in these locations that should be great markets. But because of them having spent so much time there without really grasping that 
that market. You see some of these new teams in new markets seeming to like rise to the fore while, t- you know, Los Angeles, I mean, I guess L- LAFC is, is obviously doing fine in, in Los Angeles, but like New England Revolution, you know, the, the the Red Bulls to a certain extent, the Chicago Fire, like in these major markets where you're like, you need to capture this, the attention of this, it, the attention of the fan base. It's going to be interesting with the Chicago because I think that, from my perspective, it seems like there was a time when, you know, the LA galaxy, there was a time when they just spent and it was like, you could spend a lot of money and you could do well because you just spent more money than everybody else in, in MLS. Um, and then there's teams that have bucked that trend, like sporting Kansas city by being smart over the last number of years. Obviously last year was not a good year for Kansas city, but, um, but they've been smart with how they've spent money. Mm-hmm. Peter Vermees emphasizes that constantly. <laughs> and, and then this year he talked about an infusion of sort of capital of like saying that there's, there's going to be more for that stuff. Now it seems like it, the, the real danger is that it's not enough to just spend a bunch of money or be like, we're going to, we're going to spend more money on this. You look at a team like Atlanta, you look at a team like LAFC, they're spending a lot of money and they're smart. That is very hard to counter with just being smart or just spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if Chicago fire you know, I mean, I'm not saying we talked about the rebrand last week and how that it doesn't feel right. Um, that's not an indicator of how they're going to be all over the place, but it does sort of make me concerned about like, do you just think we're just going to look new and then everybody will forget and then this, and then it will be a success. Like, I don't think that's the, the, the recipe for it. You're going to have to be, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be smart not just spend a lot of money. No, and the fire as well, as I insinuated earlier on, they, they want to get this rebrand, rebrand right. And uh, for me, they're going to have to add a big name as well to really fill up Soldier Field as well. I, yeah. I don't ever expect them to fill out Soldier Field from a um, complete capacity point of view. But there's I, levels of sellout for yeah, facilities like I that. I think so, you yeah. know, 20,000, 30,000 in Soldier Field is yeah. very, very realistic for, yeah. for Chicago fire. Absolutely. Um you know, yeah, look, again, we're in that sort of um, time of the year now, aren't we, where we, we christen it a silly season. And yeah, absolutely. There's speculation all over the place. And, um, you know, it, it's an exciting time, actually, isn't it, in, in the world of Major League Soccer because um, more and more people um, are, are starting to understand this league is very good. Mm-hmm. They're starting to understand that there's opportunities over here. And um, they're starting to respect the league. So uh, with that comes more opportunities to bring over very good players um, from all four corners of the world. Um, so I, I think there'll be a couple of big names coming over. Um, there will, to my knowledge, be a, a very well-known Premier League player coming over here um, at some stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, that's probably all I can say there. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. I, I have enjoyed the fact that, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, you look at the NBA, um, the sort of the dominance of players like LeBron James, like season over season across different teams and things like that. It is kind of fun right now in MLS with the mix of young players breaking out and then and then being sold or older players coming over and having good careers and then leaving that you've got, you know, like looking year over year over, over the Minnesota United's time in MLS to have a number of different players sort of be at the top of that that pecking order. You have Javinko, uh, the, f- the first season looked amazing. You have Joseph Martinez rises to the fore. You have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You have Carlos Vela. You have guys moving in and moving out. And it's kind of fun because, you know, you look at, again, as somebody who played fantasy MLS, you're like, well, these are the top, you know, three forwards. And that's like a different group every year because of that new, those infusions. And they're coming from, they're coming from different places and they're coming for different reasons and at different ages. And that's, that's kind of a fun part of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's all continued growth of major league soccer and, you know, the, the 
um, more players you can have in that, that are of a certain quality than, than the better, you know. And yeah. uh, I'm interested to see, you know, I think um, Nashville have, have started well as well. They've been very smart with their deals that they've done. Um, what one or two questionable signings, no doubt. I think they spent too much on Annabelle Godoy, but... Um, you know, apart from that, they've they've been very smart with the likes mm-hmm. of Dax McCarthy coming in as well. I thought that was a tremendous signing. Um, obviously, snatching Abu Dunladi from Minnesota and um, a couple of other deals. I think they've shown that they are willing to do business. I think yeah. the expansion draft was proof of that. Um, you know, I, I wondered when they um, when they drafted a couple of players and um, in certain positions and, and then they traded them away, like uh, Zarek Valentin, for example. I thought, well, that's a really good signing. He could play either side mm-hmm. uh, of the back line. I thought, great, okay. And then they traded him away to Houston and I thought why and then they go and sign Danny Lovitz from Montreal and you think okay right well so they've got a smart GM there in Mike Jacobs who, who knows the league very well and um, you know it's interesting Steve because whilst there's been a lot of activity already there's so much more to come yeah there's so <laughs> much roster building to do yeah we don't and know what this is going to look like at all yet so <laughs> no what, what are we like we're 92 days I think from the start of the season yeah and that's plenty of time to sign players <laughs> yeah I, my wish is for at some stage and it doesn't necessarily I don't know if it's this year there's more teams coming in over the next several years but it would be nice and interesting I think for, for fans of MLS for a team that's like in the sort of realm of Nashville to have a really good first year while a team like inter miami doesn't you know like and i know that's against the way that things are going to generally work i mean if you look at minnesota united coming in with atlanta united i mean and it's you know it's down it's down to money Mm. (laughs) like it's sort of in some ways it's as simple as that um but you know i I think minnesota united showed a good strategy over three years of building um fc cincinnati obviously sort of fell flat uh versus i mean they didn't come in the same time as lafc but you they they come together sort of um lafc obviously has done tremendously well fc cincinnati has sort of reset over the course of this first year we'll see where they go from here it'd be just entertaining to like you know everybody expects inter miami is gonna spend a lot and splash a lot of cash and do well and nashville fc is going to have to sort of you know find their way a little bit sc fc can't remember which one it is now uh, Nashville, Nashville SC, SC. Okay, yes. I was as soon as I said FC, I was like, that doesn't sound right. So Nashville's, you know, you expect Nashville to sort of not necessarily struggle, but be that, you know, sort of on the lower end of, of those kind of expansion teams. It'd be great if it was just reversed. If Nashville just pulled it out and did really well in Inter Miami. No offense, to Inter Miami, um, but you know, like these St. Louis, you know, any of those teams that are going to come in that are not like the ones where you're going to immediately think they're going to make a huge impact. It'd be kind of fun if they did. The know? next couple of teams coming in, I'm interested to see what their strategies are. You mentioned yeah. St. Louis, Sacramento, and Austin as well. Um, seems as though the commissioner may very well have have let slip that Charlotte is the front runner. Seems like um, that's the consensus. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing him tomorrow, won't we? So we'll uh, we'll ask him. Yeah, ask Don for me. <laughs> um, uh, quick shout out to Megan Rapino, Sports Illustrated awesome. Sports Person of the Year. Super deserved. The cover looks Richly great. Deserved, yes. Go check it out. Um, fun to just go look and see. I mean, she's had a year. She the, put the this, sport on the map. I mean, w- won the World Cup. Won the golden boot and the golden ball. Mm. Uh, won FIFA's the best as the best female player in the world. Uh, also won the Ballon d'Or uh, Ballon, uh, Feminine. Yep, f- yep. Same award, basically, um, for a different organization. Just, I mean, killing it. We all aspire yeah. to be Megan Rapino in our lives. I, I would <laughs> love a day in the life of Megan Rapino just to see how crazy the life is now. Yeah. You know, I mean, though richly deserved. Um, and uh, I watched a little bit of the... The, I guess you could say the, the post-ceremony coverage. Uh, Sports Illustrated put a few things out on, on Twitter and um, 
couple of interviews with her and, and you could tell she was overwhelmed you know she yeah. she was really thankful and uh, as I say richly deserved and uh, it's it's fabulous for her yeah all right last thing I want to touch on briefly we have more time to talk about this but uh CCL a couple mm. MLS teams in CCL right now yeah. LAFC NYCFC Atlanta United Seattle Sounders and then Montreal Impact sure mm. um this has a lot to do with winning different things in different places, which is why Montreal Impact are in there. Um, your quick first blush take on CCL and the fortunes of, of MLS teams in, in CCL. So, um, look, I, I think um, Atlanta have have been graced with a bit of fortune. Um, heading down to um, heading down to Honduras, uh, I, I think. I think they'll be okay. I mm-hmm. think they'll do all right. Um, I think um, LAFC Club Leon is, um, that's mouth-watering. That could be yeah. absolutely exceptional. Yeah. Uh, I think NYCFC have got a, a friendly tie as well against San Carlos uh, from Costa Rica. Sounders Olympia is is going to be interesting because Olympia, for those unaware, are the club in Honduras. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I'm intrigued to see that one. And then Montreal up against Saprissa. Saprissa, the club in, in Costa Rica. So yeah. uh, that won't be easy for, for Montreal at all. But um, I expect the Sounders to prevail over two legs. Uh, I think NYCFC will do the same. Uh, Atlanta, I would expect to do the same as well. I don't know how Montreal will do against Saprissa. Um, and Montreal's I'll, in a bit of a, I think the problem for a lot of these clubs is that there's, it, it's, you know, when these tournaments happen and where they are with their, their roster and their rest and their mm-hmm. prep, you know, like can always just upend, you know, no matter how good they look on paper and Montreal is obviously coming out of a season with a lot of upheaval, yes. um, you know, so that's, that's, t- that's a little tough. Well, the first leg of this round of the champions league starts February 18th. Yeah. That's 11 days before the start of the MLS season. Yeah. So you would, I understand your point, but you would hope that the rosters yeah. would be a little more solidified yeah. at this point. You've know? just seen CCL mess up teams before. Like yes, just, have. Like, I mean, either either falling short in CCL when they had just come off a successful MLS season or doing well in CCL at the same time, struggling to start their MLS season and never really recovering from it. So... I don't know. It's interesting. I think it, I think it's just one of those those things where and the 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 Open Cup is the same thing happening in the middle of of the MLS season where you know MLS teams sort of throw out sort of make do rosters and if you get far enough up you start being like well better take this seriously and then you do um, and it, I don't know it's it's interesting because it's not it's so different I think for you know fans in the U.S. of soccer um, it, who have followed any other sports because there's, most other sports, there's a, there's a real linearity to how the, the season progresses. It's like you have the preseason, the season starts, and then that's everything to drive to the playoffs, and the playoffs drive toward the final, and then there's a champ, and then it starts again. Mm. Soccer, you've got you know different tournaments and different things happening at different times, and you have to balance depth, and you have to balance yes. all of this stuff. So it's very, it can get very complicated very quickly, I think. Which is why, for me, the salary cap after this uh, latest CBA um, negotiations has to has to increase again. I yeah. think it will not not. I think it'll increase this this one, but the one after when the new TV deals are done, that's when the, the salary cap should really really rise up because yeah. there'll be plenty of money. Um, you would assume around the league then um, even more than there is now. But I think the salary cap needs to improve and increase um, largely and quickly because for exactly these reasons that you've just insinuated there, Steve, if, if we're going to, if Major League Soccer is going to make a real impact in the CONCACAF Champions League, the rosters have to be bigger. Yeah. And the rosters and the quality of that depth only gets bigger and better, let's be honest, by paying people 
even more money. So yeah. uh, it, it's it's not an issue, but it, but it's certainly a subject that I think the league is going to have to address over the course of the coming years. Yeah, and, the, and it's a way I hadn't really thought a lot about the salary cap, but it makes a lot of sense because, it, you know, if if a higher salary cap would improve MLS, but it also improves MLS MLS team's abilities to play in these other tournaments. And Correct. if you want to make the Open Cup into something more than just, I mean, it's it's been going for so long that people just don't pay attention to it. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you want to make that better, you're going to need better teams. You're going to need the teams that play in it to have more people to in order to be able to play those games that happen, those midweek games in the mm. middle of the MLS schedule. So, you know, if you want the, the league itself to be able to, you provide teams to these tournaments that are going to be quality, then you, that salary cap has to go up. So. Or, and I've said this before, my, my idea and suggestion, if it is at all possible, is that the league somehow find a way to join a tournament, what is called the Copa Libertadores, mm -hmm. which is essentially yep. uh, the Champions League, but it's in South America. Mm -hmm. Now, I think this could work um, for, for both parties and, and at, at both angles because... It, it essentially is the best tournament, um, uh, best club tournament outside of the UEFA Champions League, um, you know, where you see Liverpool play Real Madrid and whatnot. Mm -hmm. This would be, you know, um, Atlanta United, for example, going away and playing at Boca Juniors and River Plate coming to play at LAFC. Yeah. I think this could work because it would certainly attract a lot of other people, even more so to Major League Soccer. But also I think it would attract those in South America to be able to market themselves in North America. Yeah, that's so fair. So I, I certainly think at some stage that that would be a wonderful way to um, to increase just about every avenue that Major League Soccer has. Yeah. Um, but look, maybe that's another, another debate for another day. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for the 86th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Cub. I'm going to Cub. You need anything? Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Venturis. Apologies as always to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are.